Good afternoon. You've landed on Connect and Convert, the podcast where we share insider secrets on sales success for small business owners. I'm joined, as always, by my expert companion, Dennis Collins. Dennis, how are you doing today? Excellent. I hope you are, Dave. I'm doing really well. I have to say, when I saw the topic of today's episode, I had to say to I had to really think hard if I've ever been a victim of that scenario. <laughs> That's a good word, victim. Yes. Well, have you ever bought? Have you ever bought an HVAC system, a new roof, uh, plumbing, electrical remodel, and ever done any of that? You know, I have, and at the same time, I'm. Uh, I think that uh, the only thing that I place where I thought that might that this would work on me would be in an emergency, like a tree fell on my roof and I got a the water's coming in and I somebody's got to fix it now and I I call a couple of friends do you know know somebody and then all of a sudden a couple of roofers are calling me and I'm I'm going to take probably take the first one who's going to fix my problem and at the same time I to me this goes against so much what you've done over your career Um, because to me the one close the one call close there's no rapport developed, no relationship, trust building, et cetera. But this is still a technique that's used out there. Well, again, I would say this in response to what you just said. Yes, a lot of practitioners of one call closes don't spend the time to build the rapport, to build the trust. They go right into presentation mode and say up or down. Are you going with this or you're not going with this? This is my best shot. Okay. And I want to talk about the other side of that today. Okay. What's the other side? There's another side. Okay. So the other side, that's interesting. Let me give you some thoughts. One yeah. call closes have become kind of synonymous with that aggressive, unethical, sleazy salesperson. In one of our podcasts, I referenced Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and right. the character Alec Baldwin played the sales manager. And of course, it was always be closing, ABC. The high pressure, low rapport, no empathy approach is what was used and still is in some places. However, it's not working much anymore. You're getting blowback. You're getting thrown out. Ah, something had to change. So is are there certain industries where this is still a prevalent sales technique or is are there industries in the past where this was a prevalent sales technique yeah well it was mostly like car why do you think car salesmen got you know that reputation because the stats are very clear once you walk off that lot your chances of coming back to buy a car are slim to none and slim just left town yeah so you can't let them walk HVAC, which i'm very familiar with plumbing very familiar those are kind of one call closes okay Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of particularly if it's an urgent situation Mm -hmm. urgency doesn't mean the people all of a sudden turn stupid you know they're not going to just they might get four or five different bids but it's going to be a very tight one call close you're not going to have a lot of time to come back if any So give me two or three quick bullet points on what the anatomy of a one-call close might sound like or look like. It's generally, Dave, a sales situation 
that needs to close on the initial call, or it's very unlikely that a sale will occur. There's very limited to no chance for a callback or a do-over. Limited chance to correct information, to add information or correct mistakes. It's time to get it done on that first call. What I have found in my research, because most recently I've been out on one call closes, actually observing salespeople. And it definitely has special dynamics, very special dynamics. So the idea that you cannot ethically perform a one-call close, to me, is wrong. It Hmm. can be done ethically, and it can be successful. That's very interesting because, again, it just it goes against what we typically discuss. What scenario would a one-call close be? be required for 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 I, I for example i've recently been talking to some people in the real estate business okay and they're they have a unique sales method and they have a whole system set up and it's all about the relationship building but also about how many different times they reach out that, that old was it a telephone i forget what it was reach out and touch someone right and and they talk about all the various methods that they do before they actually ask the person for for the business. And well, that's that's a longer cycle sale, right? Yeah, right. I mean, so, so where would this one call close come into play? You know, what because okay. to, well, to me it's think of it as a compressed sales cycle. Okay. okay. Instead of all those touches, and if you read all the literature, oh, you have to have seven touches before they're going to say yes. Well, guess what? On a one call close, you don't have seven touches. You got seven minutes, the way I see it. If in the first seven minutes, having after you have encountered your customer, if you haven't made headway in building some level of, of rapport and trust, then that's not it's not gonna happen. And you say, How the heck can you build trust that fast? Well, I have some answers to that. Okay. So seven the first seven minutes so that tells me that this is a longer call than you know than i'm thinking about right now i mean yeah some of these are on telephone and that's a whole different animal we'll do another podcast someday on telephone i'm talking now where you're face to face okay customer not on the telephone and it's a one call close you've got about seven minutes to build some level of trust for them to allow you to continue is there any science behind that seven minutes? Is, it, it, what's that ma- that magic number? Well, the science actually says seven seconds. You have seven <laughs> seconds to get a first, a good first impression. Right. I extend it to seven minutes because in one call close, you do have some time at the beginning of the call to let set the table. Mm-hmm. I seven minutes may be a little too long. Seven seconds is way too little. I tried an experiment the other day with some actual salespeople, and I told them in two minutes, I gave them an exercise. You've got to build trust with me in two minutes, two Mm -hmm. minutes. And of course, they all said, that's impossible. I said, no, it isn't. Set the timer, go. Guess what? Most of them did a pretty good job. So So this obviously requires some skill and some coaching and some rehearsal. This is a highly skilled person. You cannot send 
the new kid on the block who doesn't know anything about people and anything about selling on this call. This requires someone who has experience and who is highly trained and has a defined sales process. I'm a big proponent of defined sales processes. Some people say, oh, my sales process is I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm random. Whatever hits me. Good right. luck. Will not close a lot of one call closes. In fact, I'd be surprised if you'd close any. So a lot of people push back at that defined sales process. I don't want, a, it's not a script, it's a framework, okay? But if you skip any steps in that framework, there's a strong chance you're going to get a no sale. So talk about the coaching part of that a little bit, because as you said, you're not going to send a newbie out on one of these calls. And at the same time, those newer folks or less experienced folks at some point are going to have to get proficient in this particular skill. So talk a little bit about the coaching behind that. We've talked a lot in these podcasts about two concepts, deliberate practice, mentoring, and coaching. I will be, uh, I don't usually make definitive (laughs) statements like this, but I'm going to make this one. Without deliberate practice and without coaching, you cannot master the one call close. It is a very highly specialized type of sale. And if you're not being coached or mentored, and if you're not getting feedback and practicing at the edge of your capabilities and not skipping steps, when I listen to recordings of salespeople who are supposed to understand one call close, right, and they skip maybe they skip three or four of the steps in the sales process. You can't skip steps in a one call close. You have to hit every point in your own language, in your own way, not scripted, but each one, I give you a framework and you need to follow it in a one call close. Yeah. I mean, I've been coaching young people for 32 years now. A lot of what I do is modeled off of my high school basketball coach because he was the first coach I ever had. For, and I started playing competitive sports at seven years old in Little League. But he was the first coach I ever had that actually taught what he wanted done instead of telling you what he wanted done. And I, so when I'm coaching my young ladies, I just, I put, I feel like a teacher, not so much. The coach only comes out on game days. The rest of the time, I feel like I'm a teacher and, the most of the kids that so I work with uh, 13, 14 year old freshman level kids, and most of them coming up through youth ball. When they get to me, I can tell day one what kind of instruction they've had prior to reaching me and how much you know remedial work I might have to do to get them to where I want them to be or where they need to be. So I'm sure you've seen that as well. And and, well, I wanna, and I want to key on something. Yeah, I want to key on something you said that's very yeah. important. One of the ways that we humans learn is, and I think the quickest way, not only through deliberate practice, that builds skill, but when you're trying to teach someone something new, let's say. Show them, demonstrate it, have either you demonstrate it or have someone who's very good at it demonstrate it, okay? Mm -hmm. Then have them do their own version and they're going to stumble and fall and that's okay. It's safe, stumble and fall and then let them correct, do it again, do it again, deliberate practice. And then the final part of that is let them teach it. Let them show someone else maybe who's new to that technique, let them show those people how to do it. That's when you really learn something. 
door. Absolutely. So let's let's talk a little bit. You talked about the first seven minutes. Okay. Yep. Let's talk a little bit more about how you might conduct a successful one call yep. close, especially I'm, building I'm trust. It's about the first seven minutes, what I call the building trust zone. That's the seven right. minutes at the beginning. He, don't skip any steps. You've got to make instant rapport. You've got to make a quick connection. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about phony small talk. I'm talking about the concept. I'm here to help you meet your needs, to help you solve your problem, not to line my pocketbook. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is the goal of those first seven minutes. Does that make sense? It does. And at the same time, it's like, how do you do that? Well, no connection, no sale. Yeah. We're going to do a podcast, and I don't want to give away too much because this is going to be one that I think people will really enjoy. And it's about the principle of influence called liking. We mm -hmm. like to do business. We prefer to do business with people we like. And the people we like are the people that are most like us. They're similar to us. So how do we build rapport? Not through cheesy, oh, what, oh, that's a nice dog you have there, or how old's your pussycat, or whatever. That's cheesy. We're going to do a whole podcast on non-cheesy ways to build rapport, and it's all based on the principle of influence, reciprocity, and unity. Three principles we'll talk about. All right. That's, that sounds fair, because I was thinking of some non-cheesy ways to build rapport or not. Go ahead. I, I, well, I'm just some. I'm just trying to think of what I might respond to if I were in, in the role of the customer here. So my family's really important to me. If he asked me a, qu a question about my family, that might be uh, a sincere question about my family. That might be a good way to go. Absolutely. Maybe he comes in my home for this call and sees I have a set of golf clubs in the corner. Maybe he wants to ask me about hobbies or, yeah. or maybe he's played a great course and that, that sort of thing. Or he knows what I do for a living and say, Hey, I got a friend that does this. How's the, how's your business going? You know, those. So I think the sincerity is important, right? Of those questions. And I think, so even yes, if it's, yes. even if it's a question that we might think on the surface might be cheesy, if I feel in my gut that the guys being guy or gals being sincere, I may not look, look negatively on that potentially cheesy inquiry. <laughs> We're going to let you teach that session on non-cheesy report because you came up with some great ideas and we'll do that in the future. That is a really that's a question I get all the time. How mm. the heck do I build rapport? What do sure. I say? What do I ask? How do I do it? And rather than spend any more time today, let's table that to the next one. Where does the social media fit into this equation at all? It, it, this is controversial. Some people think I'm creepy. I'm a stalker. <laughs> I advise using social media to research the call before you, if it's on a business, that's easy. Yeah, It's all there on the website. If it's a person, that gets a little more touchy. But look at it this way, Dave. Everything on social media is open source. It's not confidential. If you didn't want to be on social media, you have the choice to take it off. And so I think it's fair game to use like colleges, sports, family activities, things that are posted publicly on social media. 
Yeah, so I wouldn't go to the person and say, hey, I, I saw you were drunk at Bob's bar last night. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't heard that one before, Dave. That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so there is... There I is... saw you got arrested for DUI the other day. Your name was in the paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good one, too. Yeah, so there is, there's definitely a line there. And I think the, there's I a think line. I think those four areas that you covered is probably where I would draw it. And you just have to be conscious of personal questions. But I agree with you. If it's on their social media pages, if they're in the news, that's public domain. Public domain. Uh, It's just what best suits your inquiry to this customer. Use good judgment Mm -hmm. is what I advise my my, uh, people. Use good judgment. And some people say, I never do that. I don't think that's the right answer either. But do it with discretion, yes. So you already talked a little bit about why flying by the seat of your pants is not the best way to go about a one close call. What about this topic, the this subject you call premature presentation? <laughs> yes, premature presentation. It's the tendency that a lot of salespeople who are not comfortable building rapport and asking questions, they, like we've talked in previous podcasts about, they just start blurting out their features and benefits. Well, let me tell you about this. And I got this product and I got that product. And you have basically then blown a one-call close. You are not going to close it. Uh, once you give the customer control of the call, you will, if you get it, it'll be done on a heavily discounted price. Okay. Once the customer gets control of the agenda, the price will be the single criteria determination. And then you have to drop your drawers. You've got to give them some ridiculously low price that nobody wants to give them. So you honestly think it's possible to do a one call close? No, I know it is. I've seen it done. I've done it and I've seen it done. But all your ducks have to be in a row. You cannot make any skips. You can't skip any steps. And you have to be on your game. If you're not on your game, if you get an order, it's what I call a happy accident. A happy accident. We're all happy, but it was an accidental sale. So we want to avoid that scenario. Yes. All right. (laughs) At all costs. Understanding that. Part of it is inoculating, uh, anticipating and inoculating objections. We'll do a whole podcast on what the heck is inoculating objections all about. It's a great technique that every salesperson who does one call close must know. You don't have a lot of time to deal with objections. You got to neutralize them early. Become highly, 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 highly skilled at recognizing buying signals. You would be shocked, Dave. At how many salespeople that are out there right now selling that don't recognize a buying signal? It that goes sound, right that, by them. That Boom. sounds like another episode. <laughs> no, that could be two or three episodes. All right. Thanks for your wisdom and insight today, folks. This wraps another edition of Connect and Convert, the podcast that lets you behind the curtain with some insider information for small business sales success. This is Dave Salter with Dennis Collins, and we'll see you next time. Questions, 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 Dave, and shut up and listen to the answer.